Welcome to the Backyard Astronomer Podcast, where we talk astronomy, space, and science. From the Rockstar Studios, and brought to you by the Rockstar Group and Manzanita Insurance, I am Adam England, the Backyard Astronomer. I'm here with Eric Edelman, the director of the Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University's Jim and Linda Lee Planetarium. Is that all correct? I know it's a mouthful. Oh, yes. There's always uh, a few words that get slipped by, but they didn't slip by you. No, that's, okay. that's all correct. <laughs> as long as we got it correct there. Well, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. I know you've got a really interesting story on how you got to where you are and, and the facility that you work with and manage, the technology there. So I wanted to start off by asking you about your childhood, how, how you got into space and science and technology. Yeah, I, I can't say it's the path that's the most common, but uh, I always love to hear everybody's stories because there are a lot of unique ones out there. For me, the big thing that I always enjoyed as a kid was stories, telling stories, listening to stories, reading stories. Uh, the, the Scholastic Book Fair was always the best thing in my of life. Of course. Uh, and so a lot of how I digested new information was in hearing it in story form. And so initially when I was introduced to astronomy. It was a lot through equations and memorizing uh, certain terms, and it never really stuck with me very well until I got into college and I stumbled across Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. Okay. And all of a sudden, now here is astronomy in a story, and what a story it was. All of a sudden, you're getting the most amazing story of the universe. You're hearing about uh, black holes, about planetary nebulae, how our universe came to be what it was. And all of a sudden, I had to ask myself, why had I never been excited about this before? Uh, I'd never really had astronomy introduced to me from my own lens. And so all of a sudden, I was on a path of how can I make astronomy more accessible for people of all backgrounds, of people that uh, maybe those equations didn't stick with them like they didn't stick with me at first. Uh, and so then I started to learn the equations and, and go into the degree program uh, to try and get myself to a platform uh, where I could try and create open, accessible uh, moments of astronomy for as many people as possible. For whatever whatever ways you could capture them, I, I was going to try and, and uh, see if there was unique ways to get them into it. And uh, so, how old were you when that when you read that book and you kind of had that mindset shift? Oh, it was right about nineteen or twenty. So almost like early adulthood, not not an early childhood change. Yeah, uh, and so. I think that for a lot of people, it's a lot easier to get into astronomy when you love it at from the point when you're a kid, so you can focus on getting all those fundamental skills of, of physics and math that uh, are shown to be important for really understanding it on a deep level. But uh, I, I don't think that always has to be the case. I think there can be a lot of different pathways in uh, if you're not excited about math or if you are excited about math. There, there's different ways to do it. Uh, and so I went into the field of... Uh, uh, first, uh, the a company called SLU that wanted to be the uh, essentially the ESPN of astronomy. So, Which we still will log on to SLU when there's a cool event happening and you can see, hey, there's a comet and SLU's streaming it or whatever it is. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, you know, if there's a live event, having that telescope feed and those talking heads giving you the uh, uh, point by point of what is going on in the, in the sky at that time. Uh, so I was the producer of the show. So I was lining up guests and making talking points and all that stuff. Uh, but then I went, uh, pivoted into the museum field. I worked at the Morrison Planetarium over in San Francisco for a little bit, uh, learning from some of the greats of how to communicate to astronomy to diverse audiences. And then, well, 
the amazing opportunity happened here in Prescott of a planetarium being built and folks looking for somebody to build up an entire planetarium operation from scratch. I raised my hand. Somehow I got it. Uh, so I am here uh, four years on now uh, working on this planetarium day by day. It's certainly been interesting uh, with openings and closures due to world events, uh, but uh, we've we've stuck by it uh, for all the time since August of 2017, and uh, we're continuing to move forward. Now, I, I came at some of your first shows, and we've had some private events with the Astronomy Club and yeah. some other things at the planetarium, but a lot of people don't even know what a planetarium is. Yeah. What uh, is a planetarium? Oh, well, I can say that the people that don't know what a planetarium is are not alone. Uh, I uh, recently had to tell my brother to the difference between a planetarium and observatory. So even in my family, it can be, it can be a confusing Wait, so thing. an astronomer and astrologer aren't the same thing? Oh, oh no, no, they're exactly the same thing. Oh, no, my, my heart hurts a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so the difference in, um, I think a lot of people come in and they expect the observatory concept, which is that there's a dome above your head and it opens up and it shows the stars not only to yourself, but a um, incredible work of mechanical art, a telescope uh, that can either send you those views as a person in real time or some processing needs to happen. But uh, with a planetarium, we keep the ceiling closed and bring the stars in, uh, in that we have projection technology uh, that through the ages has grown and evolved. Right now, it's uh, what we have is one of the more state-of-the-art digital projection systems, which gives you a 4K resolution of the stars and whatever else we want to visualize. Uh, so it, it can also be uh, IMAX movies. We brought those to the dome as well. Uh, but yes, it's it's not opening the dome, but it might feel like it does after a while. Yeah, because from the outside, when you drive up, even as you're driving down Willow Creek Road in Prescott, you can see that dome off to the side. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people probably come in thinking that it is more of like the observatory concept. And because, yeah, you have that classic dome uh, shape for the observatories for both. They do share that, but... uh, and then you get inside and there's these inclined seats and soft glow lighting and it, it's a pretty magical experience. Oh, I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah, we try at every point to make it this immersive time where the you know, the dome sort of simulating that view of the sky above your heads, that it's this giant hat that's been rested upon your shoulders uh, and uh, the seats uh, letting you relax at the same time. We have a number of people that when they come into the planetarium, they have the greatest experience of a nap, and that's fine too. The seats are comfortable. Uh, so, 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 however, <laughs> however, people want uh, to enjoy their planetarium experience, whether it is flying through the universe or um, flying through their dreams, that's okay with us. That's your personal narrating, soothing voice. Oh, my voice can be a problem for people, and that it, it sometimes is a little too relaxing. Uh, I can say that we've done a lot of work. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to open our doors for the public at this time, but we've been doing a lot of work for the students that are currently on Embry-Riddle campus. And one of the new shows that uh, we've, we've uh, released for them is one that's called Relaxation Under the Stars that was made in concert with the Wellness Center on campus. And so it's very relaxing views of different parts of the universe uh, while we have a very relaxing voice telling you wellness strategies and how to breathe and, and pausing for long periods of time. And so I have uh, student ushers that work for me in the planetarium and I warn them ahead of time, for your shift today, your biggest challenge will be staying awake. And here are some strategies for you to do so as you're sitting in your chair, keeping us all safe. And so you're showing images with the, the audio files at the same time. Oh. And 
I, I assume that's like nebulas and galaxies and so we, we go to a couple of fun. One of them is uh, for the show flying through Saturn's rings oh, wow. uh, where we fly through a few star fields. Uh, we do a little bit of uh, proper motion uh, showing off of that, of just uh, fast forwarding time to millions of years per second and just watching as the stars move around. Uh, we uh, move closer and farther away from earth. Uh, so we do a few things there um, as we're saying, Hey, let's, let's count our breaths and relax. That's awesome. <laughs> Now, I've seen shows at the planetarium where you're traveling through the rings of Saturn, something yes. like that. But then also, you can take it into kind of a microscopic level. Um, you were, I believe, going through the human body at one point. So there's a lot of other factors. It's not just space necessarily, but there's, it's a really unique way, a really unique medium to present to the public many d- diverse topics. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's what is the limit is what you can imagine and what you have the power to visualize. Uh, so uh, there's been, historically, in planetariums, there used to be this star ball in the center of the theater, an optomechanical projector that was very, very good at what it did, which was projecting the stars, projecting the orbital motion of the planets, and if you had a complex enough one, maybe the moon too, uh, things like that. Uh, and now, moving into digital projection, uh, there is essentially you have this this software that you can use that the low-hanging fruit, of course, is astronomy, that you have amazing data sets that contain sort of the nearest stars closest to us in the galaxy, uh, the Tully group of galaxies, uh, all these different um, uh, parts of the universe that we can visualize. But we also have some data sets, like you said, on the human body, on um, how... Uh, the the periodic table of elements, how the different elements on the periodic table appear, okay. uh, and just a lot of different uh, ways to visualize different things, which you can't do with a star ball, that you need that digital projection to get it done. Uh, and so we have a, a versatility that works well on a university campus. We have all these degree programs over at Embry-Riddle, and there's lots of different ways that the planetarium ties in, not to, just to astronomy and space physics, but to other places as well. Uh, like the gaming and simulation science major absolutely loves us. Uh, There's um, high ideals, high dreams, high hopes of uh, having different uh, gaming experiences on the dome. So what would it look like if you were to have an audience in a planetarium and you can get, you know, 80, 100 people in there playing a game all at the same time on a giant dome? Like what are are the difficulties there and what what are the strengths that you can capitalize on for that experience it's a um it's certainly a lot of questions pushing the thresholds of like augmented reality with that oh yeah there's um definitely vr applications to the planetarium uh and uh it's it's just a matter of getting the manpower to explore all the different ways this this place can be utilized and i can say uh i've barely scratched the surface over four years of sort of uh, capitalizing on the applications for all of the interested parties that exist, not only at Embry-Riddle, but across Prescott and the greater state of Arizona. And a technology that's constantly evolving with your own research. The things that you are doing are are kind of pushing the threshold of those boundaries. You've mentioned the digital projection as opposed to the Starball. Explain how that kind of works. What are we we talking about? So um, with uh, the Starball, it was at the center of the theater and there were different ways that you can construct it. Uh, Zeiss is the classic um, projector, starball projector of your, and uh, some things like in certain circumstances, the brightness of the star, 
um, correlating with the, um, the size of the hole, for example, of where it was. Uh, uh, and there, it's in the center, and it projects onto the dome. Then there's digital projectors that what they are, oftentimes uh, they are sort of surrounding the dome, depending on the number that you need. We have two digital projectors uh, in our theater, one in the front, one in the back, and they each get sort of a half of the dome to project onto. And there's pros and cons with the different projectors. I can say as a... Um, uh, a person that's that's really into the planetarium uh, field and the odds and ends, um, the magical combination, the, the, the magical projector setup would be a hybrid system where you have a digital projection system and you do have an optomechanical uh, system. Because one thing about the digital projection system is we've, um, we've debuted this planetarium as the first planetarium here in northern Arizona, that, that this is the, the first one in a while uh, that that people may have experienced if they've lived in Prescott for a while. Yeah, I think you have one in, there's one in Phoenix at the Science Center. There's a few and down in Phoenix. there's one at like U of A, ASU, yeah. but nothing like this in northern Arizona at nothing. all. Nothing, yeah. So there is the Lowell Observatory up there, uh, but they, they don't have a, a planetarium. They are working on what they're calling an open air planetarium. But, Interesting. Um, uh, so uh, the uh, uh, a lot of times we'll have people come in to this planetarium, or we did when we were open for the public, uh, and they would come up to me afterward and say, this experience felt a little different to me than when I was in a planetarium in the 90s. And uh, they would say, please, you know, don't take offense, but I remember the star- stars in the sky in a planetarium looking a lot clearer than they did here. And there's a reason for that. The digital projection system of a planetarium is never going to be able to compete with an optomechanical projector. Uh, it's just comparing apples to oranges, and the thing that optomechanicals do so well is brilliantly, crisply, clearly project that night sky and that magic. Um, and so a digital projection system is great and amazing at doing a whole lot of things. It just doesn't precisely do what the optomechanical projector does very well. Okay. So the ultimate dream <laughs> is to have a hybrid system where when you're looking at the night sky, you have the optomechanical on, and then when you fly out and you want to see um, the planets up close or look at the um, Sloan Digital Sky Survey data set, um, then you're, that's when you're switching to the digital projection, which has that versatility of bringing on the different data sets. And that's where you get the combined magic of a universe of digital projection in the palm of your hand and the pure, beautiful night sky that will be so easy to mistake for reality of the optomechanical projector. Wow. Okay, so you have this amazing technology to show uh, showcase these these shows, and you can license them from other observatory or planetariums mm-hmm. that have designed their own and, and written programs, and you guys also develop your own. Yes, that's correct. What's that like? Uh, it's it's a whole kit and caboodle uh, <laughs> in that. Uh, so it, it's very true that there's uh, ways to license programs uh, from other uh, companies that create what we call full dome programming. Um, so if it's made to be shown in a planetarium, it's a full dome production. Uh, and so there are certain um, very select groups across the world that create these shows. And one of the groups that... Um, create shows like this was a planetarium I happened to work at back in the day, which was the Morrison Planetarium I, I mentioned a little earlier. Where is the Morrison at? Um, it's over in the San Francisco Bay Area, right in the middle of Golden Gate Park okay. uh, is where they, they are. Uh, it's at the California Academy of Sciences. Um, 
And so they have a production group that works on shows that often focus on a uh, on astronomy or our environment or mixtures and interrelations between the two. Uh, and they have absolutely great programming that uh, is shown by a number of planetariums across the world. Uh, and so it was great to be able to just see even just a little bit, just a pinprick peek of how they worked and also alongside that, see the live programs that they did as well. So they, they also, um, alongside producing these full dome programs that could be licensed, they made shows that uh, would happen within their domes just by live presenters doing their work. And that's some of the things, though that skill set, that's something that I've brought with me to this planetarium is creating shows that uh, I, as a live presenter, can do in front of an audience. Um, and uh, so it, for people that have seen this planetarium showing since its opening in 20, uh, early 2018, uh, we had a four-part series on the Prescott Sky. We had the Prescott Spring, Prescott Summer. Uh, those were all shows that I was able to write to um, be presented by myself live in, in a planetarium experience. Uh, so one of the reasons that we do these live programs is uh, there's multiple reasons for it, but a few big ones is that uh, licensing shows is expensive. And, of course. Uh, we have a limited budget here, particularly uh, as a nonprofit. Uh, we're not, not here to make money, uh, particularly as the planetarium. We're, we're here to um, show off the universe and uh, get people excited about space. And uh, alongside that also, as a live show, we can speak more uniquely to the area in which we exist. Uh, so... Uh, one of the shows that was uh, I created sort of the latest in this in the group that I was able to present before um, everything had to close down uh, was Across the Visible Universe, which was a show that started at Earth, and then we continued to zoom away, continued to zoom away to get more of a sense of scale uh, of the universe in a cosmic sense. And one of the things that I was able to do is start us at someplace very close to home. Uh, we actually started at Prescott, and then we went into the, the Grand Canyon, and we actually used the okay. terrain data set that um, uh, our software has to, to explore uh, the Grand Canyon in the ways that we could, and uh, sort of bringing the layers of the Grand Canyon back to sort of the, um, uh, the, uh, di the cosmic distance ladder of the universe, that there's different sort of levels of that that we also have to learn about that show us our history. Which is uh, mind blowing. Once people start comprehending those those distances and those size scales, it's it's you know it's amazing. It's it's what we've nicknamed the existential crisis show because <laughs> it does cause a couple of those in the audience. Um, but being able to start so close to home and then bring in the universe as a side, I, I think, is something that's very powerful. It's very personal. Whereas you get these amazing productions of these shows that you license from outside groups, but they can't always speak uniquely to the demographic at which you serve. And so uh, that's why we try in some ways to do some live programming, but also, of course, we bring in shows uh, that have that visual magic that sometimes we can't always do without a production company here yeah. at home. So. And having that right on campus is, is so neat because I think a lot of planetariums are associated with, there are with universities, but like you said, science centers or completely standalone. Mm -hmm. So they don't have the support of the Emory-Riddle University like you do, which is pretty neat that you can bring in, like you were saying, gaming and, and other avenues. It completely changes the dynamic in that, for example, for a museum planetarium, it, uh, the, 
you, I think you often get uh, shows that uh, are appealing to um, a, a wider variety of tourists that are coming through uh, all the time. You have to have a lot of shows playing and maybe the same, same shows on the schedule. Uh, whereas with, um, with this planetarium here in Prescott and on Embry-Riddle campus, we have, we have regulars, I think maybe more than a museum might, uh, that, that come back again and again. And so it's less of a huge deluge of the same programming and more of unique quality select programs that pop up throughout the year and cause, you know, different conversations and different inspirations and collaborations. So it's, so it's always, always something new, always, always a challenge, which is, Hey, my favorite way to work. So I'm, I'm happy about it. And I think you probably get a lot of interesting questions just by the nature of when they walk from the parking lot to the planetarium, you walk through a building and you look to the sides and there's working classrooms Mm -hmm. where they're building CubeSats, where they're working 3d printers there's examples of prototype lunar rovers. There's a freaking helicopter hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> and then you walk into the planetarium. I'm sure you have a diverse Q&A with a lot of these, these presentations when you are able to do them live. Oh, yeah. And one of my favorite things to do is when I can not be the face of the planetarium is that uh, there are students on campus that work for this planetarium and having them present the program uh and talk about their degree program. Like, hey, um, I'm in the space physics uh, degree, and uh, you can ask me after the show about cutting-edge uh, research that I might be doing on campus. Having that connection between uh, the public residents of Prescott or beyond, being able to have that line to uh, some of the students here, I think can be so valuable. Uh, just just a, a great relationship to build. And it's, it's been very interesting to see. I've grown up in Prescott pretty much my entire life, and Embry-Riddle was always there, but it wasn't a place I ever went to. It was like you drove down the road, and there was a wall of trees, and there was um. a turn, but we never went there until the planetarium. And it feels like that has really brought Embry-Riddle and the community of the greater Prescott area together. That's so great to hear. And, yeah, I can say that's one of the big reasons that this planetarium was built is to foster that community relationship where maybe it hadn't been before. I can't say I knew the before times as somebody who who came here when this planetarium was built, but I can say that since it was built, there has been this strong focus on developing and trailblazing in ways that we haven't before with these community relationships. And one of the greatest things for me is, is when we would do shows, people would come up to me and say, hey, I'm a part of this organization in the community. How can we work together? And just constantly having those conversations they they uh always brought in new opportunities to work with with different um parts of this community it's always been great which is exactly how you and i first met and since then i've been fortunate to participate in the SciTech fest oh yeah which was moved onto the embry riddle campus a couple years ago and that was such a unique opportunity to bring together even more of those you had uh group of old guys with their Teslas in the parking lot talking <laughs> about battery tech. And it's it's something that was so unique that you never would have happened before. So it's been such an awesome opportunity for the planetarium to kind of be the catalyst for that. Oh, uh, y- you know, uh, planetarium is always honored whenever it can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, the hope is hopefully uh, 
that in the near future we'll be able to again soon. Uh, I, I can say I can't give any specifics for dates quite right now, uh, but I can say that um, the, the, the hope, the dream is in early 2022, uh, we might be starting to um, open our doors for the public again for weekend shows and events and the like. Now with the current climate, yes, you aren't currently open, you're temporarily closed, but you've transitioned into some other unique avenues of still integrating and communicating with the community. What, what kind of other things are you doing? We've tried to do what we can. Um, and uh, one of the big ones is virtual programming. Um, so what we can do is uh, we can take our planetarium software and we can fit what usually works on a dome to a rectangle and then we send it over to YouTube. And so what we've done recently is pretty much every month saying, hey, what's going on in the night sky right now? Here's uh, our planetarium visual of that for you. So where are the planets? Uh, what are the big eclipses and transits? What's going on? What are the meteor showers? And just giving you a resource video. Uh, if you're somebody who wants to go outside and look up, what are some of the things that you can see and explore? Um, and so that's one thing that we've been doing. Another one is uh, we've been trying to, um, like you were mentioning, that, that this valuable relationship between Embry-Riddle and the community, um, try and maintain that as much as possible. One of the things that we've done a few times is when the astronomy and space physics students have capstone research to present at the end of their careers, um, to live stream those presentations from the planetarium where people in the chat can actually ask questions oh, live. Wow. Um, and so a lot of times that's from professors and parents, but those are, are pretty much open to whoever wants to uh, join in on, on those. Uh, and so uh, coming up on our YouTube channel in December, I think there's another physics and caps uh, space physics capstone presentation coming up. Uh, so things like that, we try and give people opportunities to stay in touch. I know it's never the same as, as going quite under the planetarium dome, but we, we we've, we've all learned to adapt and, and yeah. change the way that we're working with the community and, and interacting in our respective businesses and passions. And are these just live events that you're doing or are they also recorded to where somebody could go back onto your YouTube channel and watch them from going into the past? Uh, so they happen live and then they stay for a while. Um, so depending on the event, that can be a different while. Uh, but uh, for the uh, Prescott Night Sky shows that we're doing monthly, uh, my my standard is that's up for a month. Then it gets taken down because if somebody mistakenly watches the February Night Sky in December, they might end up being and then a they're little confused. bit lost. Yeah. yeah. So we want to try and prevent that. So only the most recent Night Sky show stays up. Okay. Um, and then, so you should generally mostly have a Night Sky show virtually on our YouTube channel to see, uh, but it should only be the most recent one that we have. And we're recording this on November 15th, 2021. I believe you have one coming up in just a couple of days on the 18th. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. So uh, if the 18th is the Thursday, um, so I, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> um, it, we, we have these the third Thursday of every month at six o'clock, um, and that's going to be our upcoming Prescott Night Sky. So it's the Prescott November Night Sky. Uh, and this actually might be the last um, virtual program we have uh, as we move toward reopening, uh, in that December, uh, we have a lot of that off, uh, January, um, if we're moving towards reopening would be busy with a lot of other odds and ends. Uh, so this might be the last virtual night sky for quite a while, possibly. Well, I don't want to say I hope so, but I kind of <laughs> hope so. Yeah, me too. It's, it's, it's difficult to say, but yes, I, it, it's, 
it doesn't have quite the same magic as being under the dome. So it would be positive to be able to bring that back. How can people reach you? What is the easiest way, and not just you, but the planetarium, how can they follow you and your activities and the events that you have going on now and going into the future? So there's a, a few great resources. Uh, one of them is our website. Uh, so prescott.erau.edu slash planetarium. prescott.erau.edu slash planetarium. And we'll put, we'll put all these in the show notes as well. Oh, thank you. I, I'm just imagining people just rushing to get As they're driving. And and yes, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah, on the road. <laughs> Please pay attention while you're driving. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so uh, that's... Uh, one option where on that website it will tell you upcoming shows and also give you the uh, option to sign up for our mailing list, which tells you upcoming events that are going on in the planetarium from a public show perspective, but also from outreach, uh, things like SciTech, things that you can take your kids to and all that. Um, so it, there's a lot of um, resources there. Another place that uh, we, we experimented a bit with social media and the one that really seemed to stick that people really seemed to like was Facebook. Uh, so uh, Facebook is a place where we update with a lot of our upcoming shows as well. Uh, Facebook.com slash JLL Planetarium. Um, so that that's one as, as well. Um, you can also uh, get us on YouTube, Jim and Linda Lee Planetarium, I think is the full one. Uh, so, but the main resource hubs would be uh, our website, the mailing list and Facebook. The Facebook. I want to really thank you for being here. This has been awesome. I absolutely love the technology and the passion that you have for the planetarium and what you guys have done with the community. And I can't wait for you to be open again. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to take the kids to do. I tell everybody, hey, have you been to planetarium yet? When I have new clients that are moving here. That's one of the first things I say is, oh, go check out the planetarium. So I'm really excited for, for the grand reopening of the Jim and Linda Lee Planetarium at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Prescott. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's amazing how you're showcasing all the different astronomy around here. It's exciting to see how this podcast is developing. We appreciate it. Thanks for being with us, Eric. You guys have a great one. You don't have to be a professional astronomer or have fancy equipment to see amazing objects in the night sky. You just have to know where to look. Join us next month to learn more about your binoculars, telescope in the sky, and follow the Northern Arizona Astronomical Consortium at facebook.com slash From the Rockstar Studios in Prescott, Arizona, I'm Adam England, the Backyard Astronomer.